0: What would you like the power to
1: do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey everybody! What's up? Welcome into Best of Four at the athletic michael beller here with you monday november 22nd week 11 in the nfl just about wrapping up as we are sitting here talking we still have monday night football ahead of us between the buccaneers and the giants but on this episode of best on the board we're looking ahead to Week 12, trying to get a jump on the lines that we like for Week 12. Joining me, as always, on Monday to take a look at the early lines, Andrew DeWitt. DeWitt, man, another uh, interesting week in the NFL uh, in Week 11 with the Buccaneers-Giants game. Don't think we're going to get anything too crazy on Monday Night Football. I'll expect the Buccaneers to take care of business, but it's been an unpredictable series of games over these last few weeks, which is shaping up to give us a, a really fun playoff race down the stretch here.
1: Yeah, I just love how... There's some teams that are emerging, teams that are falling back. It's a really good time to look at the market and say, why are these teams priced the way they are? And then mm-hmm. look and see if there's any opportunities there. Plus the way that the road teams are winning right now um, and the way that the underdogs are continuing to cash, it's just like a good time to look at the market and, you know, reevaluate mid, mid-season here-ish as we go into the final weeks of the NFL season, like where teams stand and where we should be ranking them in our power rankings to kind of give us some good projected spreads.
0: It is a great season for the sports books. It's pretty much always a great season for the sports books. But you mentioned underdog, or excuse me, road teams have a straight up winning record versus home teams this season. Underdogs just absolutely crushing favorites. Uh, road underdogs uh, doing very very well this year. Unders are doing very very well this year. It is a great. I mean, that is the perfect formula. For the sports books. And we get into that a little bit here. We've got uh, among our four picks one dog and two unders. On the board for us here. I need to get off the Schneid to it. It's been uh, an ugly run for me on this version of Best on the Board. I've been doing well on Fridays. Once we uh, have everything under our belt and uh, are looking ahead to games that are just a couple of days in advance, but uh, my early line picking can use some work. 0 and 2 for me last week. I'm at 7 and 13 on the season. You're at 7 and 7. Brandon Funston uh, went 1 and 1 in your spot last week. He's 3 and 3 on the year, so he's a guy we can tap on the shoulder and bring onto the show every now and again. But this is just you and me here looking ahead. To Week 12 early lines. Let's go with the one non-total that we have among our four picks. You find it Monday Night Football, Washington football team, and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Washington football team, two and a half point underdogs in this game. Seattle just does not look right to wit. This would be my side as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, what happens if, you know, one thing I'm looking at is if Seattle decides to shut down Russell Wilson because that finger just doesn't look like it's healthy, Mm -hmm. that offense, I mean, we talked about, you know, early in the season, we talked about how they had some off-season drama between the two teams. And what happens, you know, what's going on in, in between those two teams and the coaching staff and Wilson, his, anger, his finger injury, um, and, you know, is it actually healthy? And that's part of the thing I'm saying is, you know, when I'm looking at this Washington team, they just had a four-game losing streak, but they've won their 2-0 after the bye, upset that Bucks team that plays on Monday Night Football tonight. That's a good team. Mm-hmm. Great home victory for that team. And then, you know, they go on the road. Carolina, Cam Newton's first start in Carolina at home. Crowd is fired up and then they just take care of business. Tyler, Heine- Taylor Heineke at the end of that game just looked like a really impressive quarterback to me. And he's not, he's very Alex Smith ish. He's not mm-hmm. going to probably win this team a Super Bowl, but he's a good enough team to quarterback to win you know, some games, a handful of games. I think they're kind of figure out their identity. Obviously losing Chase Young for the season is a huge hit on that defensive line, but they seem like they have some gaps to fill and they seem like they're able to do that against Carolina, who's a pretty good football team. And I just think that the Seattle team is just a mess right now. And I don't think anything's going to happen that's going to change that in the next like two, three weeks. So, you know, what's going to like, what's going to just rapidly change for the Seahawks in the next two or three weeks. They seem like they're just not on the same page at all.
0: 3-7, it was a team that had a ton of tumult coming into the year. It feels like an end of an era in Seattle, maybe for both Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson after the season that they have put together there, and it's really the finger injury for Russell Wilson here. I mean, Virginia Zakis does some great writing for us on the fantasy side of the operation here at The Athletic. You can check out her site, Inside Injuries, and she was calling the Russell Wilson injury like a six- to eight-week injury. He came back way before that, and it looks like he came back way before his finger was ready to be throwing the ball 30 or 35 times a game that's just the way that he has looked and that really trickles down to the rest of the offense it's really uh, having an effect on this team in a way that is making them an offense that no one really should be intimidated by and then you mentioned at Washington a really impressive performance from Taylor Heineke I was on the Panthers in week 11 and part of the reason I was on the Panthers was I thought that their defense should be able to take care of business second ranked in EPA according to true media Going into the week, Taylor Heineke threw for 9.5 yards per attempt against that team, completed 16 of 22 passes. He really uh, just took care of the ball and took care of business, and we saw that come through for them. Antonio Gibson looks like he's found a second win this season after dealing with the shin injury also. A little surprised that Washington is getting 2.5 points in this game considering where we've seen both of these teams go over the last few weeks. So I like your call in this one. I am going to go to an over- for my first play of week 12, it is Vikings and 49ers. Should be a fun game. 48 and a half is the total on this one, DeWitt. And look at what we saw from both of these offenses in week 11. Both offenses really did exactly what they want to do. If you ask the 49ers, ask the Vikings to draw up what their ideal offense would look like before a game, they both effectuated that in week 11. Now, I'm not saying we can just take that and say, all right, well, they did it last week. That's who they are now every single week. Let's just go ahead and and, and bet on that. But I think that you know, Minnesota has done this for the balance of the season. Minnesota's really done this for the balance of the last couple of years. It's Kirk Cousins being efficient, them finding some big plays down the field to Justin Jefferson, loving Adam Fiendland in the red zone, and then Dalvin Cook doing what he does. And those guys really deliver far more often than not. They don't get enough credit as a quartet for being uh, among the most bankable in the NFL. We don't talk about them in those circles, and I really think that we should. On the other side... It's sort of easy to fade the 49ers and forget about what we thought they were going to be at the start of the season. But this team, when healthy, has pretty much delivered. And we saw that in the uh, win over the Jaguars. I know it's the Jaguars, but still, a game that was never in any question. A game they won by 20 points. You see Debo Samuel doing all this great work out of the backfield now. A big game for Brandon Ayuk. George Kittle, his third straight game with a touchdown. He has come back from the injury and been exactly what we think George Kittle should be. This is an offense that really can not get things going when it is fully healthy. And it doesn't really matter who the running back is on this team, even if it is Debo Samuel to a certain extent. I mean, they just get things going when they have all their pieces. They're one of those teams to wit that like you take one piece away and everything crumbles, right? They're like any one any piece in that 49ers offense is the very middle critical piece in a game of Jenga. Any one of them comes out and that's it. Everything falls down. But as long as they're all in there, It is very sturdy. It is very reliable. And I just think this is a game that ultimately plays into the 50s with the way these two offenses are going and with the reliability of what these two offenses do and do well. That's why I like this one to go over. And as you and I always talk about, we're not just trying to find the right picks. Of course, we want to, but we also want to find picks that we're getting at the best possible number. I would be very surprised if this stuck at 48.5 all week.
1: Yeah, I just, this is one game I circled that seemed like it's going to kind of go up in the total. Um, we've seen traditionally, like, as we're looking at these lines week to week, that most of the lines are fading towards the under. Uh, mm-hmm. as the week goes on but I really think with these two offenses and the way they've been clicking lately I, I kind of see this one pushing towards the over you know maybe getting to 49 and a half by the you know by Thursday or Friday um, and then we'll see what happens with the rest of the action over the weekend but uh, I like I mean Kirk Cousins and the Justin Jefferson are just clicking mm-hmm. right now it seemed like they're on the th- same page if you take away him then Thielen is open underneath so I just think there's like some really good value here and and neither of these teams is like pace dependent neither of these teams really likes to slow the ball down they both like to go they're not like the Packers who if they get a lead they're just going to sit on the football and just Mm -hmm. try and kill the clock out both these teams want to score both these teams want to move the ball so I I like the over here because I don't think the pace is going to be something that either team just like wants to shut the entire game down
0: yeah very good point really doesn't matter how this game starts the under or the over excuse me is going to be in play because of the way these two teams uh, play offensively Let's start shading to the unders. You and I both have an under that we like for week 12. Why don't you take yours first? And what is going to be one of the best, I would assume, and certainly one of the most consequential games in week 12, Rams and Packers?
1: Yeah, so there's one big thing I'm kind of just leaning on this under is that, one, I think the under is just going to kind of move. Like we've been talking about, this total is probably going to move down a little bit. And the biggest reason why, I think, is because of the, the injury news that we saw yesterday. So we saw Aaron Rodgers admitted post-game, that he just doesn't have turf toe. He has more than turf toe. So that's something that we saw Patrick Mahomes struggle with towards the later part of the season last year. As a fantasy football owner, you know that is one of the worst injuries that a running back, wide receiver, or quarterback can go because they can play, but they're not going to be a 100%. So you're really questioning that. And then we don't know anything about Matthew Stafford right now. So we know that he hurt his ankle at the end of – two weeks ago before their bye week. Obviously, they don't have to report injuries during the bye week. So as this game kind of opens, and if they practice on Tuesday and Wednesday as the practice reports kind of come out, it's interesting to see if Stafford practices. And if he doesn't practice, then I think this under is going to start moving, you know, the totals and start moving lower and lower. And so I just think also Packers, if they get the lead in this game, which – I think they will at home. (laughs) I'm just scared that they're going to sit on the ball, which they do, because Matt LaFleur, as soon as he gets the lead, he starts running the ball, gets super conservative in his play calling, and just tries to run out the clock. So that's kind of why I'm leaning towards the under on this game, mostly kind of forecasting that I think it's a move lower because of the injury news that we don't fully know about Stafford, and we know Aaron Rodgers is really hurt right now.
0: If you want to get aggressive on that same line of thinking with Stafford too, Packers are just one and a half point favorites at BetMGM right now, so that is something you you could consider as well. At this early stage of the week, I find it hard to believe that Matthew Stafford won't play in what is just a massive game for both of these teams. Even if we say the Cardinals get the one seed. I mean, this is this could this could be the tiebreaker for 2 and 3. This could be a huge difference in who you're playing. The Buccaneers surge, right? I mean, you want to stay away from being the four seed in the NFC cuz the four seed is going to have to play the NFC West loser right? So, I mean, you want to stay away from that if you can. And so with these two teams going the way that they're going, this is a huge, huge game for both of these teams. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Matthew Stafford out there, but at less than 100%. My under is yet another man this week. twelve, I didn't really, really think about it, but this week 12 slate is shaping up to be a really fun one. Buccaneers and Colts. I think this one goes under as well. 51 and a half is just a big number. It's a big number no matter what. Really, no matter what sorts of teams we're getting together. Everyone thought uh, Chiefs and Cowboys was going to blow past that 55 and a half. They give us 28 total points. So this is just a big number regardless of the two teams that are playing here. But I think stylistically, these two teams, while individually, can be high-scoring teams, get them together and it's not the greatest environment for high scores. We'll see what happens with the Buccaneers uh, later tonight against the Giants, but they've been a different team when they haven't been fully healthy. No Antonio Brown, no Rob Gronkowski. Maybe they get Gronkowski back, but they've just looked a little bit different, not quite as sharp, not quite as explosive when they're missing any one of those pieces. For me, though, DeWitt, it really has to do with what happens when Indy has the ball. Jonathan Taylor Looks like he's on his way to a rushing title. Has become a true superstar this season, but we know what the Buccaneers can do against the run. With Vita Vea, without Vita Vea, this is still a very good team against the run. I think the Colts are going to want to try to win this game without getting it into a 34 to 31 style of game. They're going to lean on Jonathan Taylor. The Buccaneers can be very good against the run, and I'm not sure the Colts are built to take advantage of Tampa Bay's defensive weaknesses namely what they have outside the Colts just don't have that style of play available to them uh, even when Michael Pittman is doing uh, what he does they don't have those boundary receivers that can take advantage of Tampa Bay's weaknesses I mean they've got Pittman but they don't have someone else really to compliment him we just haven't seen that with any sort of consistency from T.Y. Hilton it's not the right mix of teams to get to 52 even though both of these teams individually can be high scoring ones this is another one that I see coming down a little bit as the week goes on. So I want to get in while I believe it's going to be at the high watermark of 51 and a half.
1: Yeah, I just see this being kind of a slugfest between these two teams because of the kind of the matchups you talked about. And even, I don't think Vita Vea is going to play in this game. And he's a huge mm-hmm. key piece for that Buccaneers run defense because he takes up almost two guys in every play. But I, I just see like... Jonathan Taylor's going to get his yardage against this team. Antonio Gibson got some yardage against this team. So, yep. you know, they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit, control the clock. And they, and if you're the Colts, you want to keep the ball out of Brady's hands, whether that offense is clicking or not. So, you know, we know what Brady can do, and we know what Brady does in Indianapolis. He has some history in that building. So, obviously, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game, and I just don't see the pace being there in this game either. You know, I don't think these teams are going to want to go up and down the field for any reason just because of the way they play. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game,
0: but hopefully for me, a low-scoring game. And I just really think these two teams, the way they mix, not going to be one of these that we see get up into the 30s from necessarily either team. That's going to do it for this part of Best on the Board. DeWitt, this is our week, man. With all the great games we have, we're taking the trends, we're taking dogs, we're taking unders, feeling good about what we've put up on the board on this episode of Best on the Board. All right, we move along on this episode of Best on the Board, getting to the NBA side of things. Tas Mellis joining us to break down the Monday NBA slate. Tass, what's going on, man?
2: Not much, Michael. Looking forward to Monday night here. we got some good ones.
0: Yeah, we do have some good ones. we got three picks among, between the two of us. All favorites we're going with, which always makes me feel a little bit scared, right? Because uh, that's just not how these things go. Sportsbooks <laughs> exist For a reason they do well for a reason it's because underdogs can very often outperform expectations but we're still going with three favorites for our picks here today you've got two I've got one let's start out with the Suns and Spurs Suns five and a half point favorites in this game tell us why you like Phoenix.
2: Yes, this definitely feels a little trappy, Michael, because Phoenix has won 12 games in a row. They are absolutely putting it together on both ends of the floor. They may be rallying around the fact that there's an investigation going into the ownership of the group on the floor. They are locked in, and I think they should be able to just roll over the young Spurs who have lost four in a row. So, yes, it, it definitely feels like... Uh, a trap game, but I do like the fact that this is the first game of a four-game road trip for the Phoenix Suns, so I think that's just another little reason to lock in. The Spurs, they play the fourth fastest pace in the NBA, and I think the Suns line up really well with that being the third best defense. That, that could be a focus of theirs just to slow the young guys down a mm-hmm. little bit, and then their offense will go awry if you take away their their pace, and, and Chris Paul is going to control the pace of this game. And uh, I know the Suns have bigger aspirations and bigger focuses on this trip. They've got the Brooklyn Nets coming a, a little bit later. So there's always these games in between that could be a trap game. That that Nets-Suns could be a finals preview, but I think Chris Paul keeps them locked in. He'll just find something to motivate this team. He'll see Greg Popovich on the other sideline, and he'll say his old buddy is going down tonight. And I think <laughs> he'll he'll figure it out uh, for the Suns. Five and a half I think it's a, it's a decent number uh, to bet with because, you know, it's a little negligible at the end of basketball games, even if it's four or five, a couple free throws that they have to intentionally foul for, and it, then it becomes a five, six, seven-point lead. So I like the Suns in this spot.
0: You want to get a, a road trip like this started
2: off right, no matter how right. hot you are. 12-game winning
0: streak, 12-game losing streak, whatever the case might be, you want to get a... Four-games trip started off on the right foot, which maybe be even more reason to buy into the Suns as five-and-a-half-point faves against the Spurs. For my one-and-only pick today, I'm going to go to just one of the hottest teams since the start of the season, and that's the Chicago Bulls. Four-and-a-half-point favorites at home tonight against the Indiana Pacers, and here's what I like about this team. I talked about this—I want to say it was two weeks ago, Tass, that I brought this up with the Bulls, that— it's someone. It seems seemingly someone different every night. It's a rotating cast of guys. And a couple of nights ago, uh, it was Zach Levine who had a monster second half, a monster fourth quarter, and got the Bulls over the hump against Denver. Then last night, or a couple. No, yeah, last night. Against the Knicks Sunday night, against the Knicks, Demar Derozan goes for 31 points. Kobe White has a huge fourth quarter, scores 14 points in that game, and the Bulls pull out a 109-103 win over the Knicks, and that was with a cold shooting night from Zach Levine. The baby knows it; she gets it. It's (laughs) someone different every single night for this Bulls team, and you like that. You like that when a team is in again a third and fourth game, uh, a third game in four nights, as the Bulls are. That there are so many different guys they can rely on to be the primary scorer on this chicago team and then something we talked about last week didn't come through for me when i was looking at that bulls under that uh, full game under but the interior the uh, perimeter defense on the chicago team just elite certainly among the best in the nba and so that's something that really doesn't quit that's something that you can rely on basically every single time you take the floor and so you have this diversity of scores this diversity of, of offensive options plus elite perimeter defense, and I think that that comes through for the Bulls. Obviously, DeMontis Sabonis can give this team some trouble with uh, the the uh, deficiencies that they do have inside, but I still like the Bulls in this spot quite a bit, laying the four and a half against the Pacers.
2: Yeah, I, I can't argue with the baby, can't argue with you. I mean, <laughs> these aren't the baby Bulls anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. They're all grown up, and I understand, yeah, DeMontis Sabonis could do some damage inside with no Vooch and no Patrick Williams. That being said, it's... Also, something like we just talked about with the Phoenix Suns, you give something a good defensive team to focus on to to take away, and the Bulls could find that could could figure it out pretty quickly, I think, in this game to take away Demonte Sabonis. So, yeah, it's it's hard to argue against a, a Bulls team that's playing sometimes Alex Caruso at six five at the power forward spot, and they <laughs> still find a way to win because they are an incredible help defensive team. You know, with Lonzo Ball, yep. and uh, they'll figure out a way
0: definitely feeling good about this one. Getting back on the right side after my 0-1 a week ago. One more pick. We've got Kings and 76ers getting together tonight. The Kings, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Philly. Let's go three-for-three three here, Tess. Three-for-three three on favorites. Let's hear why the Kings are the play here.
2: Well, the Sacramento Kings are a hard team to bet with this season. <laughs> but they have a new coach Yes, today. They they fired Luke Walton this past weekend, so Alvin Gentry taking over on an interim basis It often happens in the NBA that guys get up for a new coach, start to look at each other in the locker room and say, yeah, we could do this. They can believe for at least one night. And I think this is a good team to do it against in the Philadelphia 76ers because it's really going to be about effort level versus effort level with no Joel Embiid for the Philadelphia 76ers. There's no superstar to just take over. And with that newfound energy they're going to have for at least tonight, those Sacramento Kings, they're not going to be the Kings tonight. I think they can find a way – uh, to stop the X-Factor of Tyrese Maxey at the point guard spot for the 76ers with Davion Mitchell of the Sacramento Kings, they've they've got enough uh, enough good matchups in this one. I also like the fact that the Philadelphia 76ers have been on the road for 10 straight days. They've only won one game on the road. Uh, it's got to be getting to them a little bit. And I like on the other side that the Kings are in a four-game homestand, having lost the first two Even the worst teams win one in three games at home, so I think they can bounce back, and it's just a good good opportunity for them to do that. I like the kicks.
0: Three favorites for us on our NBA Monday slate. Different from what we were just talking about in the football world where Andrew DeWitt and I were just finding all sorts of underdogs and unders that we like for Week 12. We're going favorite heavy on the NBA side for Monday slate. But got a good feeling that this, these ones come through for us. That's Tass Mellis, of course, of No Dunks. And that's it for this episode of Best on the Board. For Tas and Andrew, I am Michael Beller. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Good luck tonight. As always, happy betting. We'll talk to you soon.